0: Wednesday, Fan Morning Show, Sports M590, Fan Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Time flies, man. Just rolls on. There's no stopping it. Why would you want th- to stop it, really? Yeah.
1: I've had times where I've wanted it to go much quicker than it is, and I've had yeah. times where I would ha- be happy to bask in the moment a little longer, for sure.
0: I mean, how long ago was it that we were talking to Mark Spector about the Oilers and the turmoil in Edmonton and, you know, laughing, not at Jack Campbell in particular, mm. because he seems like a wonderful fella, but like... The, the five times $5 million deal he signed in Edmonton. And what a disaster. And boy, Jay Woodcroft, he's on tenterhooks, eventually fired. They lose to the San Jose Sharks. I can tell you exactly when that was. That was November 9th. Okay. Uh, a lot has changed since then, Brent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the San Jose Sharks lost a million years ago. Okay? The, this, this Oilers team now, after their 4-1 victory... Over the Columbus Blue Jackets, the seventh team in NHL history to win 14 straight. Uh, we'll talk about the Leafs in a second. Yeah, yeah. but um, Only one of the previous six teams, though, went on to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Oilers team is good, mm-hmm. getting better. They added Corey Perry. They have a young goaltender in Stuart Skinner. Even Jack Campbell in the AHL has the save percentage up over 900 now. I've heard. What the NHL's regular season mm-hmm. lasts forever. Yeah. Uh The Oilers in particular have lived like three lifetimes this regular season. We're not even at the all-star break yet.
1: Yeah. Uh They're like a cat. Nine lives. They've lived three of them all, already. The Oilers were like, you know, early on in the year, even when we were all laughing, we were getting our jokes off. It was like somebody like throwing rocks at a, like a gorilla in the zoo. And you're like, hey, you. Better hope he doesn't get out of there. Everybody with their jokes about the Oilers and their struggles going, <laughs> right. yeah, okay, but, but like, they better not get going. Because <laughs> right. if it starts going in any direction other than down... It's just going to take off like a rocket ship, and that's what you've seen. I mean, who could have anticipated here. this, though? I don't think anybody was calling for 14 straight wins. I don't think anybody – like, even even the people who – you know, I think like somebody like Bourne was super bullish on the Oilers, even throughout that whole run of just failure after failure and not being able to get a save and firing the coach – I think even the people who are most bullish on them were not sitting here saying they're going to rip off 14 wins in a row. I don't know, like 14 out of 18 would have would have sounded good. Forget 14 straight. No one saw this coming, but everyone knew, again, not quite this, but that this was a possibility. you got two transcendent guys. You've got a team that's been able to get nuclear hot in the past, and you just see that. And it had a glaring weakness that, yes, there were other things, but you needed to get that one thing fixed maybe this gives you a little bit of hope in Leafland you start getting some saves all of a sudden it's a different animal in Edmonton
0: yeah stuart skinner has been uh, been unreal i mean that's that's been the difference for them over the last couple of months uh, during the 14 game winning streak they're they're averaging fewer than 2 goals against per game 1.6 goals against per game stuart skinner has been unfreaking believable uh, he now has a franchise record mark of 11 consecutive victories as he passes grant fury yesterday they needed him uh, against the the Blue Jackets in, in a game that they, you know, on talent alone should have uh, smoked. But, you know, you have those days, especially when you've won 13 consecutive that you need your goalie. He stepped up in a big time way yesterday. He's a young guy. He's under contract for a while. They're getting the saves. They obviously have the top end talent. And I think we're right back to, to where we were at the end of the season after they, Consummate the, the trade for Eckholm and they look like an absolute beast at the end of last regular season. I mean, the Oilers appear to be one of the Stanley Cup favorites here as we approach the all-star break.
1: Yeah, they are. And, you know, not to make everything about the Leafs.
0: but No, make it all about the Leafs. Well, but
1: we have to, is that why can that top-heavy team do it? You well, know, look at it. And I understand people are going to say uh, they're top heavy times two and, you know, maybe three. If you want to throw nurse in there as well, they're not top heavy times four or five. If you want to throw Morgan Riley in for the Leafs, that's obviously the first place people would go with that. The second is sorry, Austin Matthews in your 70 goals. No one's Connor McDavid. That's a that's another thing. But. I don't know. We talked about this when the Leafs went out there just last week and they had their trip against the Oilers and you're looking at that blue line and it's Cody CC on the top pair and Vincent D'Arnais playing regular minutes. And, you know, I'm sure some people can say uh, Simone Benoit is playing top four for the Leafs. Yeah, but why can it work for one of these teams and not the other? That is the thing I keep kind of coming back to. And, you know, for years, I'd love to point and say, ah, you know, it's a softer division. I don't know. Canucks and Golden Knights are pretty good. Mm. Not to say that the rest of the division is, is, you know, world beaters, but Mm. neither is the Atlantic. We've been talking about half of the division trying to get their stuff together for the better part of a decade now. So that's the thing I keep coming back to is, and I don't think anybody's sitting here saying, oh, the Leafs just need to get one save. And all of a sudden they'll rip off 14 straight. But why can that top heavy team with, again, Obvious holes. Go look up and down the lineup. You go. You can go point it. You think Max Domi's a problem is the 3C. Go look at who's playing that role in, in Edmonton, okay? You look around the lineup. Again, top pair defenseman, Cody Cece. We've seen that before. It stunk. So that's the thing I keep coming back to is, you know, there's a few obvious things I pointed at, but that that's the question I have when I'm looking at the Oilers. Yes, of course, being incredibly impressed by them, but in everyone's favorite game show, but what about the Leafs? That's where my mind goes.
0: You know, we're going to do a lot of goaltending talk today mm-hmm. because Ilya Samsonov is getting a second consecutive I have a natural stat-trick page in front of me. That's how much goaltending talk we're going to do today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we'll, we'll do Dependent that. Also, uh, Connor Hellebuck is in town, okay? They get back-to-back Connor Hellebook, uh games uh, as the Jets are in Toronto tonight for the next-gen game, which you alerted me to. You don't think they'll the Jets will give the Leafs a breather and say, you know what, Saturday night, mm. no Bucky? I don't, yeah, probably not uh, yeah. probably not no i mean connor hellebuck did start that loss the 4-1 loss first time they gave up more than three goals in a hockey game in 35 against the <laughs>
1: good line the by Bruins. whoever it was on the jets though that said doesn't count empty netter
0: yeah it really shouldn't
1: it's <laughs> a great point
0: um uh, but anyways yeah so we, we get to see connor hellebuck and we can relitigate you know last offseason and and uh the leaf's lack of attention when it comes to uh the goaltending. Uh, that they've had over the last, well, eight years now under Austin Matthews. But it's hard not to look at that one particular place when you're talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Why was it going pear-shaped for them at the beginning of the season? Mm-hmm. Okay, there were some structural problems. and David was hurt. It may, <laughs> in the middle there, right? Yeah. Like, not out of the gates. Nope. Right, like just before the Winter Classic, he was hurt for what, three, four games? Well, and I think there was a—those th- are the games he missed,
1: but I also think it was pretty safe okay. to say there was a stretch where he was maybe not at 100 when, before that injury.
0: Yeah, and they were scoring, though. They were just getting outscored, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, but he wasn't. Like, again, yeah. we don't need to
1: relitigate the first month of the season, but go look at where he is now in the point race versus then.
0: Yep, yeah. it's it's not all this, mm-hmm. But this sport, man, so often the analysis comes down to... Mix in a safe. Who, who had the better goaltender? Like, my God. Like, come on. Like, what? hey, what's happened in Winnipeg? Oh, this is a team that was a laughingstock and, and people, you know, rode off going into the season. What's going on? Oh, well, they're getting, you know, a former Vesna winner back to the peak of his powers, and yeah. he's kept them in every single hockey game. The Oilers are getting saves now where at the beginning of the season, they weren't to the degree at which they were willing to bury their $5 million goaltender in the American Mm -hmm. League. Now they get saves from... 25 year old Stuart skinner i mean it it, it does it's not that it, but it it kind of is well and it
1: you know not to make everything exact parallels here but oh it's Stuart skinner third round pick drafted i can't remember but it's either one year before or one year after joe wall who's also mm-hmm. a
0: third round pick there same like, like you draft as ottinger too yeah yeah a lot of uh
1: i don't know maybe we'll uh maybe I, i'm not ready to do it with skinner i'm certainly not ready to do it with wall but uh, yeah if either of those guys can climb to the ottinger level uh, you're laughing 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 there but yeah it it's hard to say that with the Leafs though cuz we've had this conversation back and forth all year long the idea of they weren't losing games cuz mm. Martin Jones was nuking them in this no no let's just talk about the stretch they've gone through well he's been the goalie the Canucks mm. game could they have won that game if they got some saves yeah they also could have won that game if they didn't spot the Canucks a lead to to start things off you know feel the same way about about the Oilers game you you look at it and I ju- or well the Oilers game's the opposite you jump out to get a lead and you you blow it but that I don't think the Leafs problem is quite as simple. I do think that there are a few of these games that the bad goals early kind of tank them. We certainly saw that, you know, look in the first bad Columbus game and then the second bad Columbus game where they blow the, the lead there again. I don't think it's as simple as goaltending, but it's impossible to overstate what it means at the same time. I realize I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but the Leafs haven't been completely done in by goaltending, but getting better than league average goaltending. It's amazing what it can do to you in the amount of games that that can steal
0: you. Yeah, they're getting below league average goaltending in the overall this season. 899 is still the season-long save percentage. I haven't checked the updated stats, but I I think the league average save percentage is around 903. Uh, So Leafs not getting league average goaltending. The way this team is structured and the additions that were made in the offseason, you probably need more than... Better than league average goaltending, um, and that's why I kind of lean towards the starting of Elias Samsonov uh, tonight. Have and to. and if it goes well tonight on Saturday, because the ceiling is higher than sorry, no offense, thirty four year old Martin Jones. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, Leafs temperature check because we're we're, we're not that far removed from the skies falling, a four game <laughs> losing streak, and then some video reviews save uh, well and Austin Matthews hat trick yeah. save you from Stop. a fifth consecutive Stop loss. Uh, in Calgary against the Flames, and you come all the way back to tie it up against the Canucks, and the jubilation of a Mitch Barner shorthanded goal ties it up before you lose 6 4 in Vancouver. And then on the back end of back to backs with Ilya Samsonov in net, not asked to do a bunch, but when he was asked to answer the bell, uh, it was in pretty spectacular fashion against the Kraken, and you salvage a 2 2 four game road trip. Temperature check Where are we with this leaf seam? Just quickly on the Samsonov
1: in Seattle. It was the ama- amazing. I've never seen a goalie make so many saves while laying flat on his stomach before. Like I've seen guys mm. in butterfly and half in a sprawl. It felt like he made four or five,
0: 10 bell saves with his chin
1: basically yeah. touching the ice. It yeah, was truly, it
0: like you think of like on his side, yeah,
1: exactly. Right. Or, and then we know Samsonov tried for like the old Dominic Kashuk road hockey goalie in yeah. uh, Detroit, uh, his last start before the Seattle one. But yeah, I just needed to remark to that. It was amazing stylistically and, as well in terms of the temperature check where where we're at uh, i'm trying to think of what analogy i want to go with here and i'm going to look at it like a car okay i think okay. there's a couple of blinking lights oh my god overall i, I know what that's like oh yeah overall cars running like uh-huh. it's getting you to work it's getting you a and b maybe occasionally it does the like but it gets yeah, going you, eventually. you just have
0: to turn it off and you, then you turn it back on again get, and you, that goes away we've
1: all been there okay so there's a lot, but it's a weird car because, like, it's one of those cars where maybe the engine needs some work, but it's also got like a six spoiler on it, like circa mm-hmm. 2002. That's Austin Matthews. But that's where I'm at. This is a car, if again, if I'm going to use the car analogy, mm-hmm. get your point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Point A was the regular season, mm-hmm. point B is the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I feel comfortable driving it to North Bay via <laughs> the Stanley Cup, all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are a lot of pieces you like about it, but the blinking check engine light and maybe you got to add some washer fluid and that's the defenseman and the goaltending was the transmission and maybe you don't need to quite fix that. That's kind of where I'm at on this Leafs team is that there are a few problems that you probably should get taken care of, but... Again, we've all been here at the like, I think at the tail end of a, you're like owning a car. OK, I got to get a new one. How, how long can I push this? Maybe you don't take that big, long drive that you were planning on doing. And I think that's the decision the lease are having this year is true living going. All right. Do I want to sink the four grand into the transmission Buddy. via the deadline here? Or do I want to just say, all right, you know what? We're going to drive it to work for the rest of the year. And then we'll see what happens next year. Maybe I get a nice little bonus. Maybe tax season is beneficial to me. Maybe the micro, maybe the computer chip shortage via defenseman available mm. in trade eventually sh- shrinks up. That's kind of where I'm at on this Leafs team. But I'm driving the
0: Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> daily. That's a great analogy. Um, now, it's not the check engine light, um, but I have a car that has – a sensor inside the tire that gives you the the tire pressure oh, reading, and okay. if it gets a little low, it, uh, there's a light that flashes. Yeah. Um, and It's now burnt out is what no, you're talking about. Well, me. <laughs> but I have driver's side front, driver's side tire, obviously it has some sort of very small leak in it because mm. I am the guy that's like every three days at the gas station <laughs> filling it up. With air, right? And I'm like, ah, it's only two bucks, and man, it's okay. It's a bit of a pain, especially in winter when it's cold. But like, what what's more what painful? What what's more painful? Paying you know four dollars a week or the hundreds of dollars to buy a new tire? <laughs> or do I take the tire to the auto shop to see if they can repair it, the tire? Yeah. So what do we do? Here? I mean, that's 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 it for the Leafs, isn't it? Like, do we do we just do we patch it up? Do you, do you get a new tire or do you just hope like hope hope like heck that that, you know, the the light, the indicator is not going to come on again and that you can you can get through a tough uh, seasonal mm-hmm. time for for tire pressure when the temperature is low? Yeah, this is where
1: I appreciated you uh, continuing it with me. This is where the car analogy has to stop because I don't know what the Jake buzz and trade equivalent of mm-hmm. the tire pressure is because that's everything we've heard about this is that. There, there really doesn't seem to be an appetite, you know, I don't think this is from the players. I'm sure Auston Matthews or John Tavares or whatever would say, uh, go get me my big sexy rental, please. But mm-hmm. from the front office, I just don't think there's an impetus to push in. And I, I'm very much of two minds of this because on one hand, I think, I think to myself that, hey, like you got to be pragmatic about it. Yeah, I hate all the moves that were made effectively outside of Max Domi. Like, Bertuzzi has not worked out well. Klingberg, Revo, again, we can do it over and over again. Good job on Benoit. Good job on Martin Jones. Okay job on Max Domi. But, you know, one side of me says, go and fix your mistakes. Klingberg's sitting there on LTIR. Revo, you know, we've talked about still a mistake even if he gets in the lineup. Go out there and fix it. You owe it to the group. You owe it to this fan base. But if I'm going to be pragmatic about it, I say, not unless it's your... Jake Muzzin-type mm-hmm. trade where you say, this team does need something, and it needs something this year, mm-hmm. next year, the year after that, and maybe the year after that. Now, obviously, four years of term in today's NHL is like an insane thing to trade yeah. for, but it's the trade the Oilers made last year. The Ekholm trade was their Jake Muzzin trade. Yeah. It doesn't have the rings in the room like Muzzin brought with him, mm-hmm. but that's the thing I keep coming back to is I would love to sit here and say, fix your mistake. You sign Klingberg. Go rectify this. Given what the team has shown, I don't know that you need to do that unless it is for unless it is for the you know again like this is the placeholder name I keep throwing in Adam Larson uh-huh. this year
0: next year yeah that feels like the patch of the tire right yeah. like that's not you're not yeah. buying a brand new tire that's a hey you, they inject the like liquid <laughs> inside the tire that like coats the inside yeah. and yeah okay maybe the indicator light doesn't turn on anymore but <laughs> it's not fixed it's not like it's not. <laughs> It's not good. It's just, it's better. It's it's just better. It's just better. It's just better. Anywho, yeah, that was a great analogy. All right. Uh, so, Ilya Samsonov making his first I, uh, uh, just consecutive guy, starts since December 11th. Guy
1: in the text slide says, just buy the thing at the gas station for 16 bucks to fix your tire. That what feels, is that? I don't know. He says, I don't know. There's uh, a
0: thing for sixteen bucks that you can fix your tire. Dylan from Cannington, uh, give us more info on the text line. Cannington.
1: I don't even know where that is. Maybe that. Maybe I'm being had. <laughs> a thing to fix your tire. Cannington. Yeah. It's on sale on Kawhi Leonard's birthday. Yeah. Oh, that guy's gonna love that. All right, Sammy, getting uh, the start.
0: Yeah, first time he's making consecutive starts since December 11th. Okay. How, what does he have to do to to, to get back in all, uh, to get all the way back? Um, oh. Because he's like obviously one good start against the Kraken without their best players, which is like in air quotes, mm-hmm. doesn't do it. Despite <laughs> the fact that I actually I give him a lot of credit for for the Sunday game. Honestly, I do. Um, yeah, because that that was it's difficult to 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 not have a lot of work for a prolonged period of time, totally. and then when you do have work and it's a, the high danger variety to make those saves. Uh, what does he have to do here to get back into, I don't know, not your good graces, but like somewhere resembling where he was a season ago where he had a career-high save percentage? I think the
1: hardest, the thing that most complicates this question, and it leads me to a hobby horse I love to to hammer on, is the schedule. I think the thing that kind of hampers his ability, like in a normal world where the All-Star break isn't, or the Leafs don't start their All-Star break on Sunday— where you say, okay, is two good starts against the Jets. Maybe they're, maybe they're both losses, but it's far from his fault and he goes head-to-head head with Hell you Buck to a certain extent and, you know, he handles himself well. And he's going to go sit around for a week? It's the worst possible time for this guy to get himself going. So in a normal world where I see the start against the Kraken... I see two and I want to be clear. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I need to see this. But let's just say it's two good results against the Jets. And then he's right back out there on Tuesday against whoever it would be in a normal week. Then I would say, all right, we're really building momentum. We're really seeing something. But anything he builds up this week, I need to see it again against the Islanders. And I kind of. Have no connection between the two because he's been so up and down the break after this little run that I hope he gets here, and I realize it's it's not a month it's a week he's gone more than a week without playing this season it's yeah, not like it's benefited him it and it seems has like but that's the reason why I can't necessarily just transplant whatever I see because everything is mental everything yeah. is it, it, coach Darko might as well be the goalie coach it's all about vibes okay, yeah. and it's just keeping him in a good headspace. How can you keep that? And I don't know. Maybe the answer is he has two He has two good games or three good games He throw in Seattle, and then he gets to go sit at home with his family for a week or wherever he is, and that's exactly what he needs. That's entirely possible, but I'm not ready to hammer it home, especially given that, that break that they're going to have after this, nope. even if everything goes as well as possible.
0: No, because it's goaltending, because it is vibes, because it's so unquantifiable, it really does take two good starts against the Jets for me to say, okay, all right, he's 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 back until until he proves otherwise. Um, because, well, part of that is also that Martin Jones is, I think, reverting to Martin Jones. And also, mm-hmm. I think you, you're pretty hopeful that you get Joe Wall back in the second half yeah. of the season after the All-Star break. Um, and maybe that's not the best thing uh, mentally for Ilya Sampson. part of it, for sure. But, I mean, if he has two good games here against the Jets, who's just handing the net back to Joe Wall when he comes back? Like, this is... I, I think ultimately Joe Wall is the goaltender of the future. That's part of that is just yeah. that he's under contract mm-hmm. for next year and Ilya Samsonov isn't. And yeah. it's, it seems hard to imagine that they would re sign Ilya Samsonov as an yeah. unrestricted free agent at the conclusion of this weirdo season. But I, I don't think that Joe Wall has done enough to just automatically revert to being the starter. And honestly, if you have two good games and two victories against a very good Jets team, against. The guy who might win his second Vesna this season—that's enough for me. Like, yeah. I, it's it's such a fickle position, and and his season has been so fickle i, I it honestly just takes these two games for me. Yeah, the other thing—I'm not going to be quite there. The other thing that complicates this, though, and I'm
1: with you, like if what you see between now and the return of Joe Wall—and I don't mean the return to him starting for the Leafs, but just he is. He is healthy. He is part of the tandem or trio or whatever they end up having here. Mm-hmm. Part of the thing that complicates this is, and I don't think the Leafs are in the business of trading for a goalie. You know, I, We've talked all season long about the trades they could or couldn't make. If they didn't make one when yeah. basically all they had was Martin Jones, I don't think they're in a position to go trade for one now, is do they need to do their homework to make sure they have two goalies? between then and the trade deadline. So let's say Joe wall comes back second week of February, gives him a month Mm -hmm. to get everything in line in terms of not, not in terms of, do they make their goalie or not in terms of making a goalie trade, but knowing, because again, I would love to sit here and say, Joe wall is going to come back and be the Joe wall. We saw at the beginning of the year. I don't know. He's played 40-some-odd NHL games, and he's yeah. coming off a high ankle sprain, and he hasn't played in two months. So that's the other part that complicates this is if Samsonov is rolling, you don't owe Joe Wall anything, quite frankly. No. But – you owe yourself knowing what you have for the inevitability. Cause mm-hmm. let's be honest. Like I'd love to sit here and say, Sammy's back and he's going to go on a run and never, it's not going to, it's just not going to be the way it works. Okay. For the inevitability that you have to go back to Joe wall, you're going to have to give him games as well. Even if you want to force feed Samson off because he's going well, so it's, well,
0: it's not going to be, it's not going to be a Martin Jones when he was this team's number yes, one no. goaltender situation where it's like just back to backs, but like not every back to no. back even because no, we're won't terrible. Be that- Fridays. It's going to be more of a timeshare when Joe Wall is back either way. Uh, but that's where the,
1: and I hate talking about it this way because we'll never know. It's the biggest black box going. I don't even think the guy involved in Samsonov knows. But what does that do to him? Mm-hmm. Like he's been all, the whole time in this market. He's been at it. And I, I know I talk about that like it's 15 years because it feels like it. It's been a year and change. It's when there's nobody looking over his shoulder. It's true. He yeah, plays he took well. Over like he plays well. Murray comes back. Yeah, He's no good. Then he gets hurt. And then Murray's great. And then Murray gets hurt. And Samsonov (laughs) comes back. He goes, this is great. The only guy pushing me is Keith Petruzzelli, who they're terrified to even let sit on the bench. This is great. So that's the other part that complicates all this.
0: Uh, I want to put a bow on the Samsonov discussion with this. The narrative that the Leafs need to do a better job of protecting him from Mm. these high-danger shots. Well, here's the thing. Among goalies with at least 100 minutes played this season – Samsonov ranks 45th in high danger shot attempts. Actually, this is just shots. Shots on goal against per 60 mm-hmm. at five on five. So this is a rate stat. Yeah. So he that he's not facing a bunch of high danger no. shots when he's in there. And go back to the disastrous starts that he's had against the Columbus Blue Jackets, mm-hmm. the one that was the final nail in the coffin eventually landing him on waivers. And, and he's back! The zombie! With with the Marlies, <laughs> even though he didn't play a game. Like, that's not a game where he's just like, oh, that guy's peppered! What's he supposed to do? It's the, yep. like, half-clapper from just inside the blue line, essentially, that's getting past him. So if if he can just eliminate that mm-hmm. part of his game, uh, he'll be in good shape. Uh, we'll see. Tonight, in the next-gen game, uh, against the Winnipeg Jets, Tyler Bertuzzi's out today, yes. tending to his wife and the, the birth of uh, a child. So congrats to him. Uh, Pontus Holmberg skating on the left side of Tavares and and Nylander. This is also another, you know, it's a day where we don't have to to, to you know question the the deployment of Nick Robertson because he's going to be in there. I did I was doing a little deep dive into the next Nick Robertson numbers though yesterday. Okay. So yeah, we 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 know he has four goals in his last six games. Do you know he's second on the Leafs in five on five goals per sixty? I I uh, did see this poking around yesterday. Yeah, yeah he's right behind Austin Matthews. And did you also know he's allowing the fewest 5 on 5 shot attempts against per 60 when he's on the ice on this team? So I put much just for the
1: record. I put much less stock in the second sure, number than the
0: first. I mean, scoreboard though. Yeah. Okay, right? So you can point to and and you can you can do eye test
1: if you want. Oh, I just like I I just think that goals per 60 it's like I can see that extrapolated out more whereas a a kind of shots against. It's like that feels like the more minutes you play, the more that's going to kind of even out. And I, I no
0: think that's what, yeah. doubt there's a, de- a deployment aspect yep. to the second one for sure. But, okay, how do we know for sure that that, that can't be maintained given more of a sample? And I understand this is not – Sheldon Keith doesn't really feel like experimenting right now because he saw the world, basically everybody with yeah. access to a microphone Those last jackals. week firing him. Yeah. Jackals, which we may have been part of. I actually, at
1: every turn, said I don't think they should, but I understand if it happens. But just wanted to Yeah, I, I think
0: I said explicitly, I think he's done a good job yep, and is a, is a good head coach. But yeah, look at what's happened in Edmonton. Look mm-hmm. at what might be happening on Long Island. Look oh, at- God. oh, God, that is. You
1: want to talk about the monster in the horror movie? I was looking at the standings this yeah, morning and yeah. the Islanders lurking down there with Patrick sure, was sure, sure. it's so
0: scary. Okay. But. This has the potential of of growing to uh, a, a very... A, a, there's certain guys that that the... the I don't know if I want to call them like a Leafs blogger. Like the, mm. the Leafs like hardos sure. will ride for. And they're like, why... I mean, Frank Corrado was one of yeah, those guys. Yeah. like, why isn't this guy getting an opportunity? Yep. Right? Like, I understand, like, maybe he's not a perfect player. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe there's obvious flaws there. But it does feel like the head coach just has a predetermined opinion of that player, and there's never going to be an opportunity to see if there's something real here. Nick Robertson is not a perfect player. Mm -hmm. Nobody, I don't think, thinks he's going to win a Selkie anytime soon. No, His job is to put the puck in the back of the net. He's done that, not just recently, all season long on Mm -hmm. on a rate basis. Don't we need to see that extrapolated to see if that can continue? the i i totally understand the question
1: i think it's a it is the problem that nick robertson has had his entire nhl career and no i'm not going to mention that he's he's not 6 foot 4 like his brother that would be a very very nice thing but you did mention that i did yeah sorry tough yeah if he was taller maybe he'd be here but the thing i the thing i keep coming back to is that it it's it's the thing we talk about in all sports how hard it is to win and develop at the exact same time. This is the kiss of death for Rasmus Sandine. And hey, Rasmus sandine has been a healthy in Washington the past few days or, or earlier on this season. So, you know, maybe it was just the player there and I'll put my hand up. Maybe I was wrong about that one. But there's a reason why he was never able to take his strides. Timothy Lilligren. It's a reason why it's been kind of remarkable. There's been able to slowly inch and creep his way, you know, towards maybe what the ceiling of that player is. Well, this Leafs team has asked a lot of him and needed him to be a key part of it. And I just think that that's where you're at on Robertson. I think that if he starts his career, you know, if he's four years older and comes up with the Matthews core, and Mm -hmm. I don't mean that to say he has more chemistry, with those guys or anything, but it's just, he's allowed to make his mistakes. He's, you know, Qualifying for the playoffs was not an absolute must. It was a thing that eventually ended up happening, but it wasn't an absolute must. The other thing I, the other thing I do think though, with a guy like Robertson is, why can't he be winger Max Domi, mm-hmm. the guy we right. sit there and go, okay, like yeah, far yeah. from a perfect player, and I think the problem is, is because there's center Max Domi on this team. <laughs> yeah, I think that right. might be part of the problem. And they play on the same line. It's a double edge. Well, but. The, the Max Domi line. This is the problem I talked about at the beginning of the year is that it's it's a very tough thing for Keefe because the position where Nick Robertson is best put to succeed, and guess what? That means the Leafs are are benefiting from it because if he's succeeding, the team is generally speaking going to succeed as well, I think, is that you need an offensively gifted center to play with him, a guy like Max Domi. Mm-hmm. But then if you're a Stanley Cup caliber team, can you afford to have two of those guys on your third line if you don't necessarily have a you know Patrice Bergeron hard match first line because you don't want to use Austin. you could use Austin Matthews if you want that way I I would not like him I would like them to try to give him good matchups to go you know score goals for his team so I think that's the thing I look at with this is you should give Robertson a look you should give him some run but I think that this is the player he's going to be here and quite honestly I think he's I think and this isn't a this isn't an insult I think he can be winger Max Domi. It's just really hard to become that guy on a team that's winning right now. Yeah. or tr- Sorry, trying to win.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it's hard to score when you're only getting nine minutes a game, but he's doing that, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> mean, <laughs> that's, remarkable. Uh, it's remarkable. Uh, also remarkable that, like, you know, hours after Luke Fox has the, the one-on-one exclusive with Ryan Reeves that, oh, lo and behold, activated of uh, uh, injured reserve. So that coincides with, Tyler Bertuzzi being away from the team and being deactivated off the roster, so you don't have to make a move to to put Ryan Reeves back on the active. Are we roster. sure
1: his wife is Brit? Pr- no, I'm joking.
0: Yeah, well, and so you could see a world in which, hey, especially if they win tonight and some of the pressure is off, headed into Saturday's game against the Jets, that you say, hey, just take the extra day where we got the the All Star break. Oh, beyond that, okay. that that the decision that is forthcoming mm-hmm. with. Tyler Bertuzzi needing to be reactivated. And there's other moves that can be made here that don't involve players going on waivers. Yep. And one of those guys, Pontus Holmberg, mm-hmm. which is okay. I mean, it's Mitch Marner's favorite player. But, yeah, it's not like you're, <laughs> you have to turn yourself into a pretzel to be like, how can you send Pontus Holmberg back down to the Marlies? He hasn't been, like, undeniable or anything. But I, I kind of do have to do that if
1: it's to keep Ryan Reeves off waivers. Well...
0: Can you put Ryan Reeves on waivers, send him to the Marleys, and then salvage the relationship? Like, is that is that it? And because like it basically, it alleviates the cap headache. Yep, Which is only a one K. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it's, it's it's essentially gone. And I guess yeah, for a team as close to the salary cap as the Leaf, maybe I know yeah, Brendan Pridem's
1: not ever worried about six bucks. <laughs> yeah. by, by shuffling guys up and down.
0: Largely, the cap implications <laughs> of Ryan Reeves are eliminated by simply waving him and sending him to the Marlies. Uh, is this? Are we looking at the final two days of, of Ryan Reeves as a Toronto Maple Leaf?
1: It's so hard to. think think that but I also don't know how you don't cut bait at this point in time like you have to put yourself in the best position to win I wonder man this feels like way too small a thing to to extrapolate this from but and no one's saying this is a punt year for the Leafs but if you're looking at it and you're for living and you're saying alright like it's not happening like the idea of me going out and getting some top 4D to throw into this team and really going out at the deadline. Do I need to worry about the, you know, 1.1 on the cap this year, right now? Do I need to worry about Mm -hmm. nuking that relationship? I wonder how much that weighs the deadline position that this team finds itself in and how much they're going to push. If they're not going to push, does it make sense to push Reeves out the door in that way? Mm -hmm. Now, if it's me, sorry. Yeah, it does to me, Mm -hmm. but... You know, I don't have to deal with him. I don't have to have that personal relationship. I don't have to deal with the agent who... Who signed that deal and how? Who you're now looking at a guy in the first year of it going on waivers when mm. he had other options? You know, yeah. it was widely reported that
0: they had to give him the third year to get him. <sighs> That's here. the thing. It's like you still get your money, but like Ryan Reeves has made some money and is and, and I, I don't know. This is this would be a question I'd love to ask Ryan Reeves. Like, would you give some of the money back to be in a situation where you get to be a National Hockey League player? And it's not to say that he's not going to be a pro if in fact this happens and he gets waived and he gets sent down to the Marlies and you know. Maybe he'll, he'll play games for the Marlies and just a, await his opportunity again, which may be forthcoming with the Leafs. Maybe maybe we're making a, a big deal about nothing, and, and maybe he it doesn't appear that he's going to play tonight. He was skating as the, as the extra forward at yesterday's practice. Maybe he gets in on Saturday, and maybe he does some good
1: things. There and, is a world where tonight gets greasy. And Keith put and Keith pushed the button on on Saturday. Like I'm not completely ruling out that possibility no. at all. He still exists. Like all the all the reasons you sign him, you know, maybe maybe the off ice stuff less exists since he's not been a part of the team really, mm-hmm. kind of since he came here. But all like he didn't he didn't forget how to fight in the two months that he hasn't been here. He didn't forget. Hope not. Yeah, that'd be, I got to say, that'd be a big, big blow for his NHL prospects. He forgot how to fight. He didn't forget how to chirp. He didn't forget how to be that character in the room that they went out and got him. Maybe it's a little harder to be that guy while you've been on sideline this way. But all the other reasons that they went and got him still exist. Now, again, don't take this as me advocating for doing anything to keep him around, quite frankly. Like, if it's me, I waive the player. That's what I would do. But I understand that's not pragmatic. I understand there's other things at play here. But I also am not ruling out the possibility of him getting in on Saturday if it gets greasy tonight.
0: I I can't help but think again. I, these are questions I'd love to ask Ryan Reeves. I can't. Luke, get, get him back. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, of course. I don't think that's going to happen because I think there's a possibility that Ryan Reeves is regretful of those comments, as like earnest and as mm-hmm. open as they were, and like I I I don't regret him answering those questions no regret no (laughs) because like i i want my athletes to tell me the truth about things but here's the thing if again it's very curious circumstances that hours after that story gets out and everyone's wondering why the player who says he's been healthy for two weeks is still on injured reserve yeah if we don't get those public comments again not like broadcasting them to the world, asked a direct question, answered it honestly, Mm -hmm. but if we don't get that on-record comment from Ryan Reeves, are the Leafs just able to keep this thing, stretch it out, and Ryan Reeves, okay, he's not playing still, which he's not happy about, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't get the ignominy of being waved and sent down to the Marlies. He just gets to sit in the press box on IR even though he's not injured. Instead, now there's like this looming... Sort of Damocles yeah. over his head of 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 being embarrassed by being waived yeah the other the other part as well that
1: we have to take account into this, and I think that this goes to the question you asked there about the regret or if you'd take it back or whatever is let's not be let's not be blind to part of the reason he wanted to come here, you know, winning all that, but I think it's pretty clear at least from my mind's eye that that's a guy who would at the very very least be open to doing some media mm-hmm, one day, yeah, so do you want? Hey, look, if you're the guy who sticks it to the Leafs, there's plenty of places that would love to have you do that. I don't know if he wants to be doing regional games in, you know, no offense. Calgary. Or something along those lines, right? You want, like you don't want to be the guy who has a again it's different if you're BXA and that's your character of who you are and you love to poke and BXa doesn't really do that but i just use him as the antagonistic guy on on hockey night in canada right it's like that's a character but i don't think i don't think it's good for reeves post-playing brand and again maybe he doesn't care about that i think he does to be somebody who's seen to and again, I don't really begrudge him, but seen to cause a stink. I, mm-hmm. I think that has to kind of factor into all this as well.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe it gets in on Saturday. The Leafs, Jets tonight. We'll get uh, back into the Leafs after 7 o'clock. But coming up next, three players headed into Cooperstown. Uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, along with Jim Leland, is going to be hacking darts, you would you would think. If, he
1: does, if he's not smoking a cigarette on that Hall yeah, of Fame plaque.
0: It's going to be a bummer.
1: I'm going to be bummed <laughs> out because there's no way they're doing that.
0: Uh, Let's see if you're bummed out at this topic. How many Hall of Famers currently play on Toronto teams? We'll get into that next. As the fan morning show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, SportsNet 590, the fan. Big guests and bigger opinions
1: on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Bourne. Be sure to subscribe and
0: download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Four seven five nine, the fan. band. It's Brent Gunning. Uh, late last night, one of the Blue Jays' DH targets was taken off the board. First baseman Reese Hoskins, who missed all of last season with a knee injury, formerly of the Philadelphia Phillies, first baseman, uh, signing a two-year deal with the Milwaukee Brewers worth a reported thirty-four million bucks. Apparently, it's an opt-out after the first year. This is a guy that's that- good. He's going to try and rehabilitate um, his image, his uh, his earning potential at, what is he, 30 years old? Uh, About to be uh, 31. And then Mm -hmm. re-enter the market, you would presume, if he has a Reese Hoskins-esque season. Uh, At last check, he was hitting 30 home runs with an OPS around 800 for the Phillies in 2022. He would have been, I think, a very good fit with the Blue Jays. But uh, this is, I, I totally understand why this is happening for him, the Brewers can play him at first base. Like yeah. the, the, the 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 opportunity for playing time, sure, he he would have been the DH, and if he performed well, they, mm-hmm. they would have tried to slot him in there as often as possible, and he and Vlad it could have been a timeshare DH first base type situation. Yep. There's also George Springer. They don't necessarily want a an everyday DH type.
1: Alejandro Kirk exists.
0: Sure, but Reese Hoskins wants to play every day, and when he's been healthy throughout the course of his entire career has been more than deserving of an everyday opportunity. So, I mean, the, 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 the age of the player, mm-hmm. the upside of the player would have been, it would have been a perfect fit for the blue Jays, yep. but for the player, the blue Jays were not a perfect fit for him. So I get it.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not in your, in your absolute best case scenario of landing, uh, of, of landing Hoskins there. You get your Marcus Simeon season out of him and you That's say, exactly. see you later, right? Yeah. That's the best case or scenario. Or
0: like Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah, totally. Who,
1: yeah. I mean. He back. He, except nobody else wanted him right. for whatever reason. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it is it uh, is odd there. Uh, my first thought when I heard the news was that somewhere in Etobicoke at a nerd chest night, Joey Vada was going, cool. mm.
0: yeah, baby, the dream still lives. I guess that's a tough one too because the the Blue Jays need some level of certainty with whoever they get at that position. <laughs> and while I-, I think like Joey Votto, I mean, uh, opened my eyes a little bit coming off the injury last yeah. season with the power Doesn't that didn't take much. Yeah, I, I just I, say I, the name and you're like, <gasps> oh. no, but I I. I think if you're looking at, at who's the most certain to produce of the available oh. DH candidates, he's at the low end of that.
1: No, I think if he I think if he does end up here, it's a case of uh well, I mean, quite honestly, nightmare scenario for everyone of this
0: team kind of going,
1: Oh, what if he's out there, what's out there, what's out there? Nothing um, okay, mm-hmm. Joey, wanna mm-hmm. come to camp? It'll be fun.
0: Yeah. And I don't think Joey Votto no, he's not, I, like he's not taking he, a
1: camp invite, but,
0: yeah, no, I and I I think the interest hasn't been maybe what uh, the future Hall of Famer, Joey Votto, anticipated. But there has been a reported at least three to four teams that are interested in Joey Votto's services. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure more than a few of those are like, yeah, you can be the everyday DH if you perform here. And I don't, I mean, that would be the case if he signed with the Blue Jays. But I think he's coming. If you're signing Joey Votto, it's because you're also signing another DH. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's like JD Martinez and Joey Votto. And if JD Martinez produces, then Joey Votto's kind of sitting there as a as a pinch hitter type, you know, maybe getting the occasional start at DH. Anyways, Reese Hoskins would have been perfect, but I get it for him as he uh, is going to try and play first base every day for the Milwaukee Brewers. They have an uh, opening at that position. So speaking of future Hall of Famers, I'm like, no doubt, Joey Votto is going to be one of those, I think. Like, I think we've all come around to the idea that Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer. Maybe even first ballot. A couple of guys do go in on the first ballot yesterday: Adrian Beltray, Joe Mauer. First ballot Hall of Famers, well deserving. Todd God. Helton eventually getting in as well.
1: Adrian Beltray was just one of my all-time favorites. I, like Joe Mauer makes me feel older, which is weird, I know, but mm. a- Adrian Beltre, just like the hair touching, yeah. the way you could pick it, homers off just one a pro. knee. I mean, well, and- but cool. Forget that he's a pro. I think of him going down to one knee.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think of him going down to one knee. I think of him not wanting to get his head
1: touched, actually. Like, I know that that's bad. But that is what I think of. It's like, don't touch his head. Yeah, he and that's
0: it. Elvis Andrews. And that's yeah, yeah. like Elvis Andrews and him are kind of like tied to the hip. And Elvis Andrews used to also fake like he was catching the pop yeah. flies oh, yeah. when Adrian Beltran yeah, come
1: <laughs> over and snag it from him. It's great. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but also Elvis Andrews factoring in largely to Blue Jays fans. yes, yeah, of course. Memories of Adrian Beltran, who didn't mess up no. in the seventh <laughs> inning of game five. But like... You know, threw the ball right at Elvis Andrews' glove, and he yeah. couldn't ha- hold on to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's part of it as well. as that I have lots of memories <laughs> of the guys that go into the Hall of Fame now, which is it's We're hurtful ancient. to me. We are ancient, seen the entirety of these guys' careers. Adrian Beltre, Joe Mauer, same thing. Who had I to to me the the best individual season I can ever remember. Like, no offense to okay Shohei Otani it's a different world, yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like. Joe Maurer, being the guy that hits for the insanely high average but doesn't hit for any power uh, and plays great defense, having the one outlier season where he's like, okay, you want to see me hit home runs? Done. How about this? How's 28 in your face? And also hitting 365. 365 with yeah. a 444 on base and an OPS over 1000, 138 games played, over 100 of the, 100 of them behind the plate playing elite level yep. defense and running away with an MVP award that season. And also, by the way, because it was such a, a strain on my body to do all of that, yeah. basically ending my my physical peak performance that season and he's the first guy I've ever uh to my knowledge ha uh, seen with uh, an injury designation yep. of bilateral leg weakness. That's Sounds that's when so I was first. Painful. I was, it, <laughs> I think it just means like a guy whose body was ruined uh, through the rigors of of squatting behind the plate. Yeah, and then the sideburns. Like I think just like for his era, the prototypical like, hey, uh, if if you your significant other, you're like trying to get him into baseball, sure. you're, and you're like, oh, let's wait for the Twins series, and you're like, see that guy, handsome. Yeah, he's a handsome fella. I
1: uh man, the thing that makes me feel old about Joe Maurer is I remember Matt Weeders coming up, who is now retired, being Joe Maurer with power. Right. That's the thing that makes me feel so old about this. I am a sucker, and I know we want to do our Hall of Fame topic we here, but have to yeah, wait. Until we're going next. to wait because I'm now I'm now excited. Azzo, you were right. We do want to talk baseball Hall of Fame. Uh I am a sucker for guys like Maurer who and this is part of the story of him coming up, it's like, And, you know, like, we've heard the story. Jalen Suggs was a great quarterback. Allen Iverson was. He was... He was Mister Football, like for USA yes. Today, on yeah. top of being the baseball player he was. And again, like Tom Brady got drafted by the Expos. It's not a wholly unique thing. I am just such a such a sucker for it. But yeah, that's the thing that that I just think of when I when God. I think of Maurer, is that all
0: I, American man. Like yeah. like he's just like a, you think. No, of he's like apple he, pie and Joe Mauer. Yeah, like again, it's like yeah, it's
1: apple pie culinna. It's like he is that guy, the just prototypical athlete type that can do it all and man it's just it is crazy you're right we are so ancient and aged like again a guy who was dubbed joe mauer like the next joe mauer is already retired and i'm sitting here having conversations about joe
0: mauer is going into the hall of fame he's only 40 years old too which is part of it yeah Uh, his career was ended prematurely because he was a catcher and caught a lot because he was really good at it and maybe his career is prolonged if they do the thing it's different today Well, if they move him off behind the plate earlier, because that was what happened to him at the end of his career, right? Like, he was first baseman, DH. um, Yeah, but do you think, but just the way we kind of operate today...
1: There does seem to be a push to like catcher. Obviously, is such a valuable position, and you have a great mm-hmm. one. Like nobody tried to move Buster Posey, but yeah. there is definitely an I impetus mean, to like, hey, let's protect this guy.
0: He was too good. He was he was yeah. a, the victim of right. how great he was. Like a, a great defensive catcher, one of the best uh, caught stealing percentages in baseball yeah. when he was behind the plate. And that's the thing when you can when you can do the things that you can do it all. It doesn't last for a long time, but while you have that. That's why in Arizona they got to capitalize on the the prime of Gabriel Moreno because it's unlikely to last a long time. These guys retire early. In the case of, of Buster Posey, yeah, just say, same deal.
1: Well, I was just gonna say, go uh, go ask uh, go Shohei Otani, who like it already might be over.
0: Not in terms of him being a hitter, but like
1: I don't know, he's gonna come back from a second Tommy John at mid thirties or whatever whatever he is. Like, yeah, I just I I, I look at it and it's everything is fleeting in sports. Like, enjoy it while it lasts. That's mm-hmm. what makes the truly great ones so special. Like, I know I have to make everything about the Leafs, but I won't make this about the Leafs. I'll make it about Tom Brady. It's like, Tom Brady's first seven years were a Hall of Fame career. His mm-hmm. next seven were. And then you can squeeze another one in at the end there. That's what makes the truly great guys special. But there's a reason why so, so few of them can do it for such a prolonged period. And especially at that position, God, just uh, just feels like... Feels almost like a different era too. Just like a catcher running himself into the dirt. Like, I don't know. What are they always going to do with Rutschman? Like, he's so good behind the dish. You think they're just going to let him, let him wither away and die? This is it. Like, do
0: you take the higher (laughs) peak uh, for uh, a lesser uh, period of time or do you try and extend it beyond, you know, four or five years you can get out of a, a, a peak performing catcher and and move him off the off the uh, position. Uh, uh, and Todd Helton also
1: going in. I know you mentioned it, but it's just like I don't really have anything to say. It's just like good. No, for
0: here's him. what I have to say about Todd Helton and anybody outside of Larry Walker, of course. But anybody <laughs> that played for the Rockies, like especially in the pre Humidor version of Coors Field. Even honestly, the post Humidor version of Coors Field—it's yeah. still the moon. Yeah.
1: Okay, <laughs> like it's not just the baseball. Except when Larry Walker is up, it's weird how you,
0: physics affect yeah. a Canadian differently. Right, right, right. And I know we can separate park factors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do our best to do that. Watch a game. At, that <laughs> Watch is a game, nerd. At Coors Field, it's not the same sport. It's not just that. Hey, oh, there's a pop. No, it's a home run. That's actually not what happens at Coors Field. It, uh, there's more base hits and yeah. there's more extra base hits and not necessarily home runs at Coors Field, but that's the result of breaking balls, not breaking. It's yeah. just like literally easier. Like the the good pitchers get neutralized yeah. in that ballpark because the there's no air, there's no resistance, there's no friction on the baseball, so there's no such thing as a breaking ball. So no, like Todd Helton's great, and like he would have had a great career, yeah. and maybe he's a Hall of Famer somewhere else. And part of it is he he played in the West Coast and yeah. But oh. like honestly, it's just it's so be more hard. forgettable. Hall of Famer. Sorry, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, the first thing I think of is him being Peyton Manning's backup at Tennessee. Okay, it's amazing. basic. I uh, I didn't know that until you texted it in the uh,
1: in our in our group last night. That's uh, that's that's very good. I like that there. And yeah, I'm I'm with you. Quickly uh, on, I'm just thinking elevation, and I am who I am. Have you ever played like golf at no. elevation? No. I would love to. I actually think I'd hate it though because the slice it would be slicey at elevation. Like I just feel like it's like. The, anytime I have an elevator, but elevated, is that true? I think. Well, well no. Here's th- my problem. It's like I'm I'm thinking of it, and I guess this isn't how physics works. But I'm gonna just prove how dumb I am right now. It's like I think of it as like when I'm on an elevated T box. You think like, oh, great, but no, it's just like it has more room between well, where I'm sure. teeing off in the ground. It's like I think I wonder how altitude would affect that.
0: I, I would love to just I think, rip bombs at altitude. I think just like the breaking balls that don't break at Coors mm. Field, that actually the slice and and the hook do not, not slice and hook as much. I take altitude. back.
1: I take back everything I said about the wonderful people of Colorado. I will uh, now be attempting to move there. Uh, so remote we'll, shows
0: we'll we'll do the the topic that yes. I, I teased uh before the break uh, in the next hour or somewhere uh but coming up next get back into the Leafs um John Tavares riding an eight game pointless streak the longest of his career is there a drastic change upcoming up the middle for the Toronto Maple Leafs not tonight but maybe after the all-star break we'll talk about that and more next as the fan morning show continues Ben Ennis Brent Gunning Sportsnet 590 the fan